1: Giving you the choice on how to reduce carbon emissions and move closer to Toyota's Beyond Zero Vision. Visit toyota.com slash electrified vehicles slash beyond dash zero vision. Toyota. Let's go places.
2: Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. Or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass. Or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story
1: hello everybody
4: hello welcome
1: back to the show oh I'm so stuffed
4: so from
1: all the of food. F- giving so much thanks <laughs> um
4: what what are you grateful for this year
1: oh that's nice um well I mean obviously this show
4: I mean uh, what else very can I say true.
1: this is life-changing yeah all our amazing fans that have been uh so dedicated to keeping in touch with us and and mm-hmm. sharing our episodes and and giving us amazing feedback and suggestions. I mean, I, I, not not to sound cheesy, but I am genuinely very grateful for this show and the community around it.
4: Yeah, yeah, and I agree. It's it's, it's both awesome. gratifying and flattering when yeah. people are like, first of all, I'm listening to your show," which is like I,
1: oh, that alone, you right? right.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and then to be like, and I'm engaging with it in a variety of ways. It's like what? <laughs> so no, cool.
1: that is truly awesome.
4: Yeah, I'm very grateful for that as well. Yes. I'm very grateful to be vaccinated.
1: Oh God! And able yes. to
4: like go out again.
1: Seriously.
4: And do stuff. Yes. Feel a little less weird about it.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
4: And, uh huh. Uh huh. And yeah, I don't know. I'm grateful for normal shit too. Just we have a house we can afford and
1: sure, sure,
4: not out in the cold.
1: All very important things to be grateful for.
4: I mean, especially. With these episodes, as we're talking about some intense <laughs> privations, <laughs> yes, true. And so this, these, this history has definitely made me very grateful for having multiple hoodies and
1: <laughs> <laughs> I a know. pantry
4: full of food.
1: I mean, it's a it's a weird time to be alive, but mm-hmm. oh, it could be a lot worse.
4: There were weirder um, times. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Uh, oh. Hope everybody had uh, some tasty food and some great friends and family that they were around right. or did your thing and said, screw it. I don't like Thanksgiving and I'm I'm taking this right. day to myself. That's awesome, too.
4: Or if you had a contentious Thanksgiving with some family members, I hope you won the fights. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's fair. Hope everyone had time to reflect on their, uh, you know, many things to be grateful mm-hmm. for. Yeah. And uh, I hope that you spent most of the dinner telling all your relatives, your neighbors, mm-hmm. your uncles and aunts. Yep who I know you saw
5: mm-hmm.
1: about ridiculous romance and our yeah. and our part one Pocahontas story about Pocahontas and John Smith and yeah. got them all excited for part two, which we're going to do now.
4: I kind of hope especially that you quoted all the gross things that the colonists ate during the starving time <laughs> yes. while you were seating, seating yourselves for your delicious meal. You're
1: like, this one guy ate his own pregnant wife.
4: <laughs> Pass the gravy, please. <laughs>
1: Oh, time makes it funny, right? Or something like that. <laughs> the distance
4: that sometimes distance plus time equals jokes. I something. think so. I think that's the math. Too soon. I didn't the, take the guy. I didn't take a lot of math classes, right. to be fair.
1: <laughs> What's it I think Mel Brooks said, tragedy is me cutting my finger. Comedy is you falling down an open sewer grate.
4: Yeah. 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 Which is hilarious. That's so true. I mean, (laughs) that's
1: hilarious.
4: So true. Well, I'll tell you what isn't true: the story about Pocahontas and John Smith getting it on (laughs) some point in the 1600s. That never happened. Okay. (laughs) And in part one of our Pocahontas two-parter, we debunked that popular myth about her being in love with John Smith and saving his life and all that crap. In actuality, Pocahontas was just a child. She only met John Smith a few times at most. And it's not certain that his life was ever in danger from the Powhatan tribes in the first place. Mm. But the story doesn't end there. Pocahontas marries twice, once to a fellow native, Kokoam, and once to the colonist John Rolfe. So what happened to Kokoam? How come John Rolfe isn't part of the myth of Pocahontas? I mean, what exactly happened here? Let's find out.
1: Yeah, let's go.
4: Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or no romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. Uh, a lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio.
1: Okay, so remember, we mentioned in part one, but just to reiterate that where we got this story came from a variety of sources um, and pretty much the only indigenous source out there that we can find from the native people uh, is a book called The True Story of Pocahontas, The Other Side of History. And that was by Dr. Linwood Little Bear Custolo and Angela L. Daniel Silverstar. Mm -hmm. Um, And this story is an oral tradition passed down from Bocahanna's own relatives. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is a skewed and disputed version of the story. Um, But when you're weighing it against what the English wrote down at the time, you realize that kind of both of them have told their own versions. Yeah. Um, And you've got to kind of give a lot of credit to the people (laughs) who are actually going through this.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it just feels wrong to be like, oh, well, since it doesn't match the written record right we'll say it's a lie when who wrote down the written record exactly (laughs) trying to make themselves look good exactly
1: and 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 the oral history like fills in a lot of holes at times too and answers questions that the that the English version doesn't so they're both uh uh you know historically valuable takes yeah um both worthy of a grain of salt Mm -hmm. um but uh both very necessary I think to to tell this story Properly.
4: Yes, yeah. Yeah. And, w- and we, you know, as we try to, we will make sure to tell you uh, when the story is super divergent. And, right. you know, express both sides of it. And yeah. We can talk it out.
5: Yep.
4: It's kind of our favorite part. Yeah. True. <laughs> true. So when last we left the colonists, George Percy's shit leadership had whittled them down from 500 settlers to only 60. Unbelievable. In less than a year too. Yeah. I mean, this guy sucked. Yeah. And one day, a supply ship that had been stuck in Bermuda for 10 months finally arrived in Virginia. On board was a man named John Rolfe, who was determined to get into the tobacco industry.
1: What a dream. I <laughs> know,
4: right? I guess back then.
1: Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, I got, it yeah.
4: was? I don't know. <laughs> it's so weird to read about tobacco back then because they were like, some people really thought it was a medicinal, mm-hmm. it had a lot of medicinal properties. Yeah. And this one guy who wrote a lot about how it, it like fixed every problem, eventually Uh died of nose cancer. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. So anyway, it's just really fascinating to see what people were kind of, how people viewed tobacco at this time.
1: That sounds a lot like how we view marijuana now. I hope it doesn't meet uh, the same right.
4: fate. <laughs> oh, cool. It's almost like we should legalize it so they can be studied. Oh, <laughs> For real. But anyway. If only. John Rolfe had boarded the ship, the Sea Venture, in England, carrying precious tobacco seeds from Trinidad. Oh. And no one knows how he got his hands on them, because at the time, Spain had a monopoly on the tobacco industry, and they had made it punishable by death. To sell tobacco seeds to anyone but Spanish people. Oh! So speculation station. I'd love to see John Rolf like <laughs> walking up to someone in Trinidad, being like, "Um, <coughs> Buenos tardes, mi amigos. Um, I am definitely Spanish from Spain. Have you any tobacco seeds, por favor, y gracias? Oh, that'd be smashing if you had any lying about. Um, I'll just take them off your hands." <laughs>
1: The people in Trinidad like, well he I don't know, he said Mi amigos. That sounds right.
4: In Trinidad they're like, I don't know, he's white, they're white, whatever. whatever. Just (laughs) give him the damn seed.
1: Giving me money? Here. Yeah, Yeah, have him. Go. (laughs) But this ship, the Sea Venture, had been shipwrecked in Bermuda and for ten months the settlers scraped by on the islands as they broke up their leaky ass big ship to make two smaller ones. To carry them the rest of the way to virginia some of these settlers however had died uh, maybe from harsh tropical conditions or from low supplies or various other reasons and two of the people who tragically died here were john rolf's wife sarah and their infant daughter so when rolf arrived in the new world he was a widower hmm. there's this guy on board who was named lord de loire and He, by the way, is the guy they named Delaware after Lord (laughs) Delaware. That's true. Yeah. Um, And he was there to be the new president of the colony of Virginia. As we mentioned in part one, when these ships arrived, there were 60 crazed, half starved colonists running around in this rundown fort. And Lord Delawar was like, uh, "No, absolutely not. We're going back to England. <laughs> Goodbye to this mess." I imagine he's like uh, Donald Glover <laughs> in that meme from Community, where he yeah. walks in and everything's on fire <laughs> and people are running around screaming. He's got the
4: pizzas, like, uh, <laughs> uh,
1: never mind. So they hop back on the ship, but all of a sudden, this new ship showed up with 150 extra settlers and a year's worth of provisions. So Delaware is like, oh, never mind, all ashore, who's going ashore? And by the way, everyone's going ashore, so <laughs> <laughs> let's get back to it. We're going to give this the old college try. And I think this is like round four of I them mean, trying to yeah, make this work. Yeah,
4: many rounds have happened.
1: They, but those English are nothing if not persistent. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I mean, hearing their story in part one about how bad they were, especially had John Smith not shown up and saved their asses,
5: Seriously.
1: that... It, I can't believe the English did anything, let alone we're the largest empire in the world around this time. It's
4: shocking. And they it literally like persistence wins the prize. If you yeah. can throw enough bodies at any situation, that's true. They had a lot of win. bodies. And they have a lot of bodies. Yeah.
1: But I mean, God, it's like we can't handle intense sunlight.
4: Uh-huh.
5: And we
1: took over like half the equator. <laughs> uh, we can't handle any diseases. And we were going to all new places, getting sick and dying left mm-hmm. and right. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to farm. We're bringing perfumers in to farm. <laughs> no. It's incredible that they were able to do this and horrible
4: (laughs) and horrible. Yes. (laughs) And Lord Delaware had brought a change of policy with him as well, um, because we mentioned in part one that the Virginia Company had sent all these settlers with a pretty strong, like, don't offend the natives sort Mm -hmm. of idea. Like they were like, whatever you can do to avoid a skirmish with them, please do. But at this point, the Anglo-Powhatan War had broke out. Violence between the natives and the settlers was escalating, and the Virginia Company was sick of all this chaos. Yeah. It was really making them look bad around the drawing rooms of London. I mean, actually, <laughs> the, yeah, the British did not like hearing about natives being badly treated oh, by their... It made them look bad. It really did. Yeah.
1: They were like, we don't want to hear about that. Keep it quiet. <laughs>
4: keep it quiet. <laughs> if I hear about our behavior, I want it to be all above board and honorable. mm and plus, they were in the new world to make money, damn it. Shouldn't we make some by now? Right, right. <laughs> We've been spending and supplying and spending and supplying and yeah. all we get are dead bodies. <laughs> so they decided that now it was A-OK with them to let Lord Delaware ruthlessly suppress, by whatever means he saw necessary, any internal dissent or external threats. And that meant life got a lot more brutal for the colonists and the tribes.
1: So wait, so the Virginia company was like, first, we said, don't treat the Native people badly. Mm -hmm. And you did, and that made us look bad. So what we're going to change is we're not going to say don't treat them badly anymore. That's right. That way... (laughs) Well, that's unbelievable.
4: Again, the decision making is a real question mark for me. I don't understand how any of these folks oh made their God. choices. You're really
1: fixing the wrong problem here.
4: <laughs> and like life was already so brutal for the colonists. Right. Particularly already. They were already infighting. They were already starving. Yeah. They were already diseased. I mean, they already had so many problems. Mm-hmm. And then they were just like creating more within themselves. So it's really weird. Uh, within Jamestown, martial law was introduced. Delaware would whip colonists for any infraction, like missing church.
1: Oh, heaven forbid, oh, I guess God. literally. <laughs> yeah,
4: right. <laughs> a second defense of blasphemy was punished by having a lancet thrust through the tongue.
5: Wow. Good Lord.
4: You know, and these are the guys that are calling everyone else savages. Right. You know, just like, okay. Right. Colonists who deserted or who robbed the storehouse were hanged, burned, broken upon wheels, and bound to trees until they starved. Oh, my God. Even stealing flowers from another colonist's garden became a capital offense. And again, I mean, like we're saying, it just seems so weird to be like, okay, you know what? Too many people are dying. Let's make everything an offense where you get executed. Yeah. (laughs) Like everything you do, you could get killed for
1: it. (laughs) That'll fix it. Oh, my God. And of course, they were even crueler to the native tribes. They had previously engaged in skirmishes with these tribes, of course, but usually on both sides, they would they had their rules. Mm-hmm. You know, they would leave the women and children alone, or they often took prisoners rather than brutalizing and killing everyone. Mm-hmm. Prisoners were more valuable than corpses, after all, right?
4: I mean, yeah, you can trade them for things, you right. can and, you know, negotiating tactics or whatever. I mean,
1: I remember in part one, we talked about the prisoners mm-hmm. taught them how to farm.
4: Right. So- and- and- Yeah, and they would negotiate, you know, they had some. So then Powhatan was like, here, I'll give you some shit if you give me the guys back and vice versa. So they were really, it was more valuable to not kill someone than it was to kill them.
1: But now the English were done with all that. They attacked a neighboring tribe and they killed everyone there. And they burned down their houses and their crops. George Percy, who was in charge of this raid, tried to spare the queen and her children by taking them prisoner. But Lord Delawar was like, no. The only good native is a dead native. Mm-hmm. Percy wrote that they threw the children into the river and then blew their brains out. That's a charming way to put it. But when he was ordered to burn the queen alive, Percy stood his ground. Hmm. He said, no, I will not do that. I have seen enough bloodshed for today. <laughs> so instead, he had some of his men take her to the woods and kill her with swords. Oh. Yeah he's like i said i've seen enough bloodshed for today but someone else can see it these chaps haven't seen enough let them see a little
4: <laughs> let uh, them see a little george
1: percy villain of the week I
4: know, except right?
1: delaware is worse yeah so it's Del- like yeah i i guess england is the villain of the week <laughs> in this story <laughs> You know, it's. I gotta say, we we. I don't know how it is over in the UK, and maybe mm-hmm. some of y'all can enlighten me.
5: Yeah.
1: But we, of course, have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of discussion and conversation, and and a, you know, a, a certain degree of guilt about how American colonists treated the indigenous people when they mm-hmm. came here. Do y'all talk about that in England? Because that was you. That's true. you know. I I don't know if that's something. I mean, obviously, we are the descendants of those direct people, but England has the descendants of all the people who were ordering it Mm -hmm. mostly to happen.
4: Very true. So are y'all talking about that? And who profited off of all that land being seized and everything.
1: I'll go ahead and start an international incident here. Uh Uh-oh. Maybe England owes some reparations (gasps) to the native tribes of America. Anybody ever suggest that? Because, honestly, Uh, England owes some reparations (laughs) all over the world. I was about
4: to say, I think, you know, you want to get on that list, you'll be at the bottom of a very long list.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why England, like, backed off the empire thing. And they're like, oh, now we're a real small country. Sorry, we can't pay anybody back everything we took. But look at these beautiful jewels the queen is
4: wearing.
1: (laughs) Oh, by the way, we still have all your stuff in our museums. I
4: know, right? We're not going to give it away. (laughs)
1: Anyway, I'm just saying.
4: It's a. I mean, it's a very good point. I, I kind of thought that too because you know you're you're studying colonial America and uh-huh. it's Native Americans and it's English. There's no Americans right. as we know them yet, yeah. as we are yet. Yeah,
1: we, it Americans. It happens pretty
4: soon, but like
1: <laughs> actual United States of America citizens treated a whole other class of people horribly, <laughs> like monsters. Well, and the and natives, the natives. <laughs> and the natives can't discount that. Pretty much Here, we, everyone we do continue to. Have our mm-hmm. anyway,
4: yeah. But we, I guess you could say that we started as we meant to go on, well, which was pretty horrible, yeah. And then we went on with it, <laughs> so yay!
1: <laughs> hey, there's some great things.
4: There's, yeah, we got this is a comedy show, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're right. So, moving on,
4: <laughs> think of something funny, and we'll move on. <laughs> So, yeah, okay, because Delaware had showed up with this clear change in how they were going to be behaving toward the natives, the tribes were all being way more cautious around the English, especially Pocahontas. Rumors persisted that the English were hoping to kidnap her and keep her hostage because they knew how much Powhatan cared about her. So they were like, "Mm, this might be our linchpin of our victory, basically. Mm -hmm. She'd be a very valuable hostage. So when Pocahontas came of age in 1610, her ceremony was much quieter than it normally would have been. If there had not been any English around, mm-hmm. she would have had a bigger quinceañera, you fucks. <laughs> this ceremony, called a huskana for boys and a huskana squaw for girls, happened once kids hit puberty. So anywhere from 12 to 14. Okay. And it was a signal that they were grown now and ready for courtship and marriage. And since Pocahontas' mother was dead, her older sister, Matachana, oversaw the ceremony. The boys' rituals seem to be much more intense and elaborate than the women's. They had to like run a gauntlet, they had to lay like they were dead while everyone else feasted around them.
5: Well, I was they... failed right there. I know, right? Because it. it's
4: after they run the gauntlet, so they're already hungry. Oh, and then they're God. like probably smelling all this good food, and everybody's laughing and chilling, and they're like, Laying like corpses. I mean, no wonder these people
1: were so badass and patient. Okay, you know
4: they were used to it. And then also the boys would go live in the woods for nine months with some elders. And so then when they came back, there was this big gap between the boy that left and the man who came home. Okay, sure. So now he's seen as a warrior. You know, he's a man now. And also their allegiance had changed from family to the whole tribe. Hmm. Um, so it, it was a really Non symbolic way, I guess, of of just showing again that that gap of like this a boy left and here comes a man, yeah, you know, and he had nine months to prove that he could live in the woods and deal with some crazy shit. I imagine. Yeah. Oh, sure. Um, for women, I can find very little of the process. I'm just I'm assuming, you know, they mostly talked about like what Pocahontas wore and stuff like that. So I'm kind of assuming that it was mostly about looking cute, and then they would do some ritual dancing and feasting and praying. That kind of thing. Um, less of a gauntlet, less of running off for nine months. Right. Not not as much of that going on.
1: Yeah, their life was going to be a gauntlet. They're, right. they're curing the meat and weaving the right. rugs and building the fires mm-hmm. and building the houses. They're like,
4: your nine months of childbirth comes later. Yeah. Their nine right. months comes first. <laughs> but they did also have a ritual name change. Okay. Um, so they had their childhood name and then they had their name as a woman. And they mm-hmm. got to choose that name. And this is when Pocahontas chose the name Pocahontas for herself after her mother. Oh,
1: nice. Which was what her father had already called her, yeah, you know, she, yeah. for, because he loved her mother so much. So she already had some attachment to that name for sure. Yeah, I'm That's sure they great. were
4: not surprised when she was like, right. let's just go ahead and make it official.
1: Yeah. Now, after this ceremony, the oral history of this book states, quote, there was a big powwow held in celebration and thanksgiving.
4: Hey! Oh,
5: look at
1: that.
4: Thanksgiving, everybody! Uh-huh. I knew there was a tie-in somewhere.
1: <laughs> so one of the big moments of this powwow is the courtship dance that allowed single male warriors to search for a mate. And our girl Pocahontas was approached by a warrior named Cocuom. The other side of history says that, quote, the fact he was not a chief and thus not high in status suggests that Pocahontas may have married for love. But... Powhatan, her dad, the head honcho here, mm-hmm. was also a hundred percent into this pairing. He yeah. was like, "Yes, good choice. <laughs> I like these. I'm standing. <laughs> I'm shipping Pocahontas and Coquiom here. We stand." Because first of all, Coquiom was the brother of one of Powhatan's closest friends, Chief Japazaw.
4: <gasps>
5: so
1: you can imagine, you can imagine, uh, mm-hmm. Powhatan and Japazaw like. Trying to get, the, trying to match make.
4: Yeah, right. I believe they'd be like, "Oh my god, wouldn't it be so cute if my daughter and your brother? Oh my god! Oh
1: my god, they're perfect! I love yes, it. please." Okay, listen.
4: Somebody go tell someone to make sure they sit together during dinner. Okay. <laughs>
1: Try it. Make sure they get the same spaghetti noodle.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <That when> they... <laughs> And then when they do, they're both, like, sitting in the corner together, like, watching, like, <gasps> it happened. <Whoa. gasps> He's looking at her.
1: She's looking at him. <laughs> it's adorable. I love it. Um, but even better than this fact that he was, you know, related to this friend of his is that it's possible Kokoam was one of Powhatan's bodyguard, which consisted of 50 of the best warriors that all the tribes had to offer. And remember, they're getting increasingly worried that the colonials would try to take Pocahontas hostage. So Powhatan was certainly glad that she was going to marry someone who could protect her. One of the yeah. best warriors there is.
4: Right. He was this like, was oh, if you hadn't picked him, I probably would have picked right, from yeah. this selection of warriors <laughs> for you. <laughs> but they also took the precaution of sending the newlyweds to live with Cocoaum's family in the Potowomac tribe village, Passipatanzi, which is also where Chief Japazaw lived. Mm. And it was in a remote area, it's kind of like northern Virginia. There was no English hanging around there yet. And Powhatan figured that with both Cocuam and Japazal looking out for her, Pocahontas would be safe. And then he could get on with the Powhatan part of the Anglo-Powhatan War. Right, right. (laughs) And for a while, it seems everything was, you know,
1: turning out fine. Okay, cool. Well, let's just stop there and sound happy ending. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they lived happily ever after. The end. <laughs> Can we just cut it off there? Uh, uh, no. I guess, but no. it would be a
4: pretty shitty episode. <laughs> um, yeah, while she was living with the Pota Womack, the other side of history says she gave birth to a son. Other places say they had a daughter. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure, but anyway, they had a kid, and they were really happy about it. Okay. All right, and that's what matters.
1: You're right. Let's include that, and then let's cut <laughs> it off. End of the story. Happily ever after, with either a son or a daughter. Who knows? The and end. The end. Right? Uh. Well, we're gonna we're gonna take a commercial break, and then I guess we'll have to come back with the rest of the story. Yeah, okay, <laughs> so, stay tuned, because it's thrilling.
4: Welcome back to the show.
1: So when we left off, of course, uh, Pocahontas had married Kokuam and went to go live in his village uh, where Chief Japaza was going to look out for them. And everything's good. Meanwhile, the war is going strong. The land along the rivers is extremely fertile, having been well cared for by the Powhatan Nation. Uh, hello. Uh, take a lesson, English. <laughs> and the English were doing everything they could to steal that good agricultural land away. They'd already taken control of the entire James River, and they were always looking for a way to snatch up Pocahontas Mm -hmm. because they figured holding her hostage would be a great way to end the hostilities but still get whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. It was a valuable bargaining chip. Yeah. They knew how much Powhatan cared for his daughter. So one day in 1613, Captain Samuel Argall learned where Pocahontas and her family were hiding out, and he decided to, quote, Possess myself of her by any stratagem.
5: <laughs> stratagem.
1: According to this book, The Other Side of History, he went to Chief Japazaw and threatened to attack the entire village if he didn't hand over his sister-in-law Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. Japasaw knew that they couldn't hold off an English attack all by themselves and they wouldn't have time for backup to arrive from Powhatan. So he made Argall promise not to harm Pocahontas and then, reluctantly, made his wife go get her and bring her aboard Argyll's ship. As soon as she was aboard, Argyll handed them a copper kettle, implicating them in the betrayal. Basically mm. saying, look, we gave you something for it, so now you've officially traded her for this right. kettle.
4: And she saw it, more and importantly, she saw it right, so that she could tell Powhatan, oh, they must have traded me for a copper yep. kettle.
1: And before sailing away, he had Kokuam killed. Fortunately, their son was with a relative and was spared, but pretty dark. Right. And that, that is the oral history mm-hmm. from Pocahontas's people passed down. That's the way the story goes.
4: Yeah. But the English story is different. They say the Potowomac tribe was not always loyal to Powhatan. Um, for example, they were still trading with the English, even though it was technically forbidden during this war. And that's how Captain Argyle had a contact among their Potowomac tribe okay. to know that, Poca- that Pocahontas was there. Right. So Captain Argall actually went to Japaza and offered to ally with the Potawomac against Powhatan if they would hand over Pocahontas. Wow. So the English are like, they were ready to turn against their uh-huh. own. And that's how come it worked out. Yeah. Okay. I, you know. Right. And then Japazaw tricked Pocahontas aboard. Together they held her for ransom and demanded the release of English prisoners and the return of weapons from Powhatan. Wow. And according to the Mataponi, he immediately paid the ransom, but then the English demanded a second payment. According to the English, Powhatan only paid part of the ransom and they had to hold out for the full amount. So, so there's a breakdown here.
1: Yeah. So the the Mataponi say... We gave you the the 1000 bucks you asked for mm-hmm. and then the english said oh yes but you forgot about the second payment mm-hmm. you know yeah but the english say we asked you for 2000 in the first place and right. you only gave us half right so again it's
4: and it, this is a hard one because there's uh, you would have to be there to know right you yeah.
1: you I'm inclined mm-hmm. To side with who I sympathize with, right? Right. I'm inclined Same. to be like, well, the oral history of the Mataponi, I want to take their side because they were the ones being subjected mm-hmm. here. Um, but, uh, but it, it, you know, I don't know. I cannot say no, that. Neither of us can. Um, and, again, you're looking at what was written down mm-hmm. by people who very much wanted to make themselves look good. Right. And what was kind of a game of telephone for a few generations. Yeah. Before it was written down. So yeah. neither is necessarily a the hugely reliable account or the whole story. Yeah. Um, but uh, but you, you, which at which point in history, usually we just kind of have to decide mm-hmm. for ourselves what we believe or sure. that we don't really believe anything, I think, is where I land with it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I know that I'm not getting the full story and I know the story doesn't exist. Yeah. There's some things we cannot know, and that's kind of hard to reconcile with sometimes, too.
4: It's true. And then other times you just have the cultural differences that just misunderstanding. Yeah. How like, Powhatan yeah. was like, well, if I make a, a, a deal with John Smith, then I've made a deal with all of y'all. Right. Because that's how it would work for us. If he yeah. made a deal with my one of my werowances, he wouldn't be able to make it without my permission. And right. therefore, if I got somebody... Took over for me. They yeah. would probably honor that agreement. <laughs> yeah. Whereas the English didn't see it that way at all. They were right. like, "That's just some guy. You yeah. Know, that's he don't he don't represent all of us. Right. Or the gift giving or any of that stuff. Right. It was might have just been enough that it, their cultural difference was not respected by enough by either side, maybe, to fully know what conversation they were actually yeah. having. Do, does that make sense? Right.
1: Right. And in either case, what what we do know is true in between these two stories is there was a woman being traded around Mm -hmm. who didn't really fully understand what was going on. And she was being used by many people in this as a token in this uh, in this war Mm -hmm. that was going on.
4: And then also just to talk about Kokolom. Yeah. The English accounts don't really have much written about him, and they say no one knows what happened to him, and oh, that, yeah? that he just wasn't—he's just not part of their story at all. Interesting. So there's no record of him being killed on purpose by Samuel Argall.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: although I have to wonder if Samuel Argall would have known Kokum. Uh, you know, yeah. it would have just been like, "Yeah, we there's some warriors and we killed him." I don't know yeah. who he's married to. I don't care. Right. I don't know, but but anyway, so it's he might have been killed or not. We wow. don't know what happened to Kokum for yeah. real.
1: And history—it's not—it's—it's it's a grab bag of truths. <laughs>
4: uh, yeah. Well, and and a whole lot of lies. And it's good to remember, as contemporary things are happening around us. Yes. How much things are being framed and oh. sold in a package.
1: Right. Right.
4: And it might look like, well, I'm here now, so I clearly know the whole story, and you don't. You never know it. No. Not really.
1: No. So Absolutely. anyway. Now, of course. Whatever the truth here is, this this back and forth issue, this issue of them taking Pocahontas, Mm -hmm. whoever's idea it was, whoever was okay with it. This created a tense standoff that lasted for a whole year. Mm
5: -hmm.
1: Pocahontas was held in Jamestown for a few months and then taken to a Virginian city called Henricus, which had been established in 1611 away from the swampy Jamestown Peninsula. This is also where John Rolfe, remember him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he had established the Verena Farms plantation and was experimenting with his tobacco strain, which was called Orinoco.
4: Thank
1: you, Enya, for stopping. I'm here in. to help. I'm here to help. Uh, I, I don't know how many of our listeners are Enya fans. <laughs>
4: I've come from my castle in Ireland.
1: But Orinoco flow is a very important song in the 90s. That's
4: right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So John Rolfe's experiments uh, in tobacco farming and and mixing these strains and everything, they had turned Virginia into a profitable colony finally in 1612. He wanted to let the Orinoco flow all through Virginia. (laughs) But of course there were some obstacles. King James hated tobacco. So he discouraged it. He was, I won't catch you smoking in my colonies, <laughs> young man. As long as you're living under my rule, no tobacco.
4: <laughs> he called it a vile weed, too. So it is it is kind of uh, well, weed. It's like marijuana yeah. in its own time.
1: Also, the Virginia Company thought colonists would plant tobacco instead of corn, which they desperately needed to become a self-sufficient colony. So they discouraged tobacco planting, too. And then finally... There just wasn't enough labor to handle cultivating a cash crop like tobacco, as well as cultivating food to feed the colony. Um, So you're you might be thinking around this point as I was and I was reading this. Mm -hmm. Boy, uh, how did the Americans deal with the fact that they didn't have enough labor to farm tobacco and food at the same time? Well, the Library of Congress website writes, quote, The ultimate answer to the labor problem was ominously foreshadowed in a little noticed event that Rolf describes in 1619, the arrival of a Dutch man of war carrying a group of captive Africans, for by the end of the century, African slave labor would become the colony's economic and social foundation. So really wild to see these early steps. Mm -hmm. Honestly. In a large part, John Rolfe himself yeah. deciding, no, I'm going to make tobacco work.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And that being just, you know, a, an early domino
4: yeah.
1: in what eventually led to, you know, the enslavement of an entire race of people in this yep. country. For
4: generations, For generations and generations. Yeah, that we're still
1: dealing with the repercussions of today. Yep. Wow. John Rolfe, not to put all that on your shoulders, but
4: (laughs) not all of it, but I know. I mean, he's just
1: trying to make some money. He's just like, ah, nobody else is doing tobacco. I think it's a great idea, guys. I know,
4: right? Turns out it's addictive. Anyone knew that? (laughs) But yeah, but at this point in our story, it's 1613, so this has not happened yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything is pure and great. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Pocahontas is around 15 or 16 at this point, and she's taken to Henricus for safekeeping and put in the care of Reverend Alexander Whitaker to learn more of the English language, to learn their religion and their way of life. Because the Virginia Company also had a goal to convert Native Americans to Christianity. It was like a big, major colonization goal of theirs. So they probably figured Pocahontas was a great place to start with all that. And according to the colonist Ralph Hamer, Pocahontas received, quote, extraordinary courteous usage among her captors. But according to the other side of history, Pocahontas fell into a deep depression while she was being held hostage. The English constantly told her that because her father wouldn't pay the ransom, he must not love her enough oh and he God. must not love her anymore. And if he did, he would pay it and she would, could leave. She could leave right now if he would just pay it, but I guess he just doesn't love you. Like wow. they were just every day like drilling her just with this add horrible... gaslighting
1: to the list of yeah. transgressions. Yeah.
4: So she had a nervous breakdown, unsurprising, and the English asked if her sister would be allowed to visit. So they made an arrangement, and when Matachana showed up with her husband, Pocahontas told her that she had been raped and thought that she was pregnant. And the Mataponi oral history says the reason they moved her to Henricus in the first place from Jamestown was to hide this pregnancy.
1: Oh, interesting.
4: And it also says that she gave birth to a son called Thomas before she converted to Christianity, before she ever married John Rawl for any of that.
1: But it, it's sticky, because as we mentioned in the first episode, this history is disputed somewhat. Some historians, like Helen Roundtree, who writes for the Encyclopedia of Virginia, believe that no oral history exists at all. But also that treating Pocahontas badly would have gone against English interests. They had a truce going during negotiations, and they were still outnumbered by the Native people, and they feared retaliation. So this is really the biggest divergence in the two stories so far, and it definitely deserves, you know, some conversation. Yeah. Because on one hand, you know, it's not like this is an unusual scenario for uh, a girl from one of the native tribes. Yeah, so, to
4: to be, to be raped and, yeah, and stuff. It, yeah.
1: It's not hard to believe that not they uncommon. would have treated a girl like this because they they did that.
4: In fact, I just saw yesterday that uh, Deb Haaland, the interior secretary, uh-huh has added squaw to the list of slurs. Really? Because that is a word that the English used specifically to describe young uh, Native children that they wanted to have sex with. Wow. Like, I, I don't know if that meant young, like prepubescent or if it meant young, like they're 11, they're 12 to 14 and have undergone their puberty dance. Well, yeah, but. Or not. Either way. Either way, it's really gross.
1: Yeah. I, oh, I just want to wow. throw
4: that in there because youth is just such a different word to us today than it was to, to the colonists. Yeah, sure, I, I just sure. like to really point that out.
1: No, that's interesting. But
4: it's very interesting. So, yeah, don't say that.
1: But then again, like as we said in part one, it kind of doesn't feel fair to reject the tribal oral history out of hand just because it doesn't align with the written records of the time i mean this is what we've been saying right because of course the written records of the time were written by the (laughs) english who were not trying to write down like yeah and then i raped a prisoner (laughs) uh you know obviously they're gonna make it as clean and uh and positive to themselves Mm -hmm. as they can
4: I mean, plus they're out here being like, we're Christian. We're these men of God trying right. to spread this wonderful word of God. And why would they write down? And we did that by raping this young girl. Right. And doing all this crazy shit. Yeah. But I do want to point out that this story could also sort of be propaganda by the tribe itself in a way. The Kind of the way the English account is somewhat propaganda for them.
1: Yeah, in terms of just like trying to earn sympathies.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't mean it in a bad way. Like, <laughs> right. But but it's kind of like listen you know this this is something that happened to a lot of Native women they were raped and impregnated and killed by Englishmen right but it seems like white people don't really care about any Native besides Pocahontas so yeah. okay why don't we put that experience on that character that you care about and it'll make you care about the actual Native people that it happened to interesting she's like your your avatar for Native yeah. people you give a fuck about right and so if that's what it takes then here now do you care? Are you pissed? What are you going to do? Like, you know, I mean, that, that could be true too. So.
1: Avatar, a challenging choice of words because of course the movie Avatar was Very such true. a poor representation of <laughs> Western colonization of, <laughs> of right. Native peoples. Right. Um, right, right, But no, yeah, right. yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to kind of pick it apart like that. Again, just going back to the idea that you've got a, an oral history that's been told over and over again down mm-hmm. through generations that will inevitably have changed yeah uh, because that's what happens with the, I mean that's been happening in all storytelling throughout history right written or not mm-hmm. um, and but then it, but then you've got the written history as some people who are trying to make themselves look good so where's the truth um, I, I can't even say it's somewhere in between because it might be on either end yeah um, all we know is the situation as it stands today and the documented history that we do have mm-hmm. Um and uh, I think that for most sane, conscientious people <laughs> right. can uh, can go ahead and align your sympathies where they <laughs> ought to be. Yeah. But, um, I mean,
4: that that might be what, what I was saying might be kind of why some historians don't want to comment. Yeah. Because they're like, first of all, it's an oral tradition. So how right. am I supposed to come in and tell you you haven't been telling this story for generations? Yeah. Like, that's not for me to exactly. do. But also, like, again, it's... Th- the facts as they occurred to Pocahontas might not be true, but they certainly are true facts. Yeah. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah.
5: Yeah,
4: And so totally. it's sort of like, I don't totally. want to be like, that's a whole bunch of hogwash because it has a lot of truth in it. Right. Even if it didn't happen to that character.
1: She's the, the representative character of the experience. Right. As a whole.
4: So it might be like, yeah, okay. I mean, I wouldn't say Pocahontas. I'd say somebody else, but nobody cares about anybody else. Yeah. So I you know, I'm just wondering if that's that's my own speculation stage. Yes.
1: I mean, we do that today in in stories. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it, we'll do a uh, you know, we'll do a movie about somebody riding the Oregon Trail and like mm-hmm. that character becomes iconic and everything that happened to them is what happened to people on the Oregon Trail. But right. we're centralizing it on one character. That's very common in storytelling, mm-hmm. for sure. Totally. Yeah. So, Pocahontas did live among the English for about a year while she was waiting to be released. In March of 1614, the standoff culminated in this violent clash along the Pamunkey River, and Pocahontas was allowed to go ashore to speak with some of her relatives, and she told them, according to the English record, that, quote, "...if her father had loved her, he would not value her less than old swords, guns, or axes." Wherefore, she would still dwell with the English men who loved her.
4: And I believe the Mattaponi history has a similar quote from her. Mm-hmm. But, of course, in their history, she's been told that he don't love yeah. her. Whereas in the English history, he, you know, they feel like he doesn't. He really doesn't. Yeah. I mean, they're framing it as if he really doesn't.
1: And that she came to that conclusion herself. Right. Mm-hmm.
4: And as Tony Horowitz relates in A Voyage Long and Strange, one Englishman certainly did love her. Enya enthusiast John Rolfe. <laughs> <laughs> who wrote to the colony's governor asking for permission to marry her. He wrote that his feelings for her, quote, have a long time been so entangled and enthralled and so intricate a labyrinth that I was even a to unwind myself thereout. Apparently this confession was a little risky, because the English didn't look kindly on marriage with heathens.
1: Well, yeah.
4: And Rolf wrote that he knew, quote, the heavy displeasure which almighty God conceived against the sons of Levi and Israel for marrying strange wives.
1: Oh, God. Strange (laughs) wives.
4: Like, okay. And he knew the other settlers might, quote, tax or taunt me. But even so, Rolf was too in love to care. He could barely endure the many passions and sufferings which I have daily, hourly, yea, and in my sleep endured. Wow. But it wasn't about sex. It's not about sex. It's not. Definitely, I don't want to just have sex with her. (laughs) He was very quick to assure the governor it was not just about carnal, you know, (laughs) pleasures or whatever. Uh It was definitely because he could save her soul and his own through their union. Oh, Um, She wanted to become Christian, he told the governor, and, quote, gave a great appearance of love to me. And Tony concludes this by saying we have only Rolf's words as evidence of her affection. Mm-hmm. So that's very important to keep in mind. Pocahontas never wrote down, like, Mrs. John Rolf or anything in her diary. Like, she, <laughs> <laughs> we don't know how she felt about him.
1: <laughs> Pocahontas Rolf. Like, his little hearts.
4: <laughs> Mrs. Pocahontas Rolf. Wow. The other side of history says that likely she just wanted to do the best she could for her people. She thought this would be a great way to handle it. She had a half white child so she was probably like fine whatever mm. they also think that Rolf wanted to marry her not necessarily because he was in love with her but he wanted Powhatan's tobacco guys to like give him some guidance on oh, his crops okay. or whatever okay. so kind of a, of a cold way of looking at their union
5: yeah. Uh, yeah I guess
4: I prefer to believe his letter to the governor that he was burning with passion right with her, and, and that hopefully she, she felt the same yeah that would be a nicer story, certainly.
1: I'm. It's given me just tiny little flashes of Carl Tanzler, who wrote in his book about, you know, the love he shared with Elena de Hoyos. And, you know, we, we look back in an hour and like she had no interest in yeah, him she's... at all, <laughs> but he was the only one writing it down. So, right? again, don't know if that's true for these two or not. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just have to. Just have to kind of choose how you want to look at it, I guess. Uh,
4: in a way, kind of, because yeah. nobody can tell you what's true.
1: Yeah. Not uncommon, though, even if we're going with the oral history tradition, for women, I- even in the tribes, to mm-hmm. marry for sensible reasons. Sure. For, for unification reasons. Yeah. So that entirely possible.
4: Right. And they they pointed out, too, of course, that being taken hostage was also very normal amongst the tribes. It was very normal to like, okay, I got a hostage. You're going to be treated well for as long as I need to keep you. Right. So it wasn't anything like her being held hostage by the English would have been fine, except that she fell into this depression. And that's why they think she was mistreated.
1: Mm -hmm. But look, everyone gave permission for this wedding, including Powhatan. So maybe this was the answer, right? Maybe this all worked out. Marriages, like we said, they they bring together warring nations all the time. Both the Powhatan Nation and the English settlers were trying to find a way to end these hostilities without feeling like they lost. Mm -hmm. So in April of 1614, Pocahontas was baptized and she took the name Rebecca.
4: Oh my God, Becky. (laughs) I love your hair.
1: Tony Horwitz writes that she was named Rebecca, quote, after Isaac's biblical bride, whom God told two nations are in thy womb, one mightier than the other. So a bit of a loaded name.
4: All right. I'm like, did she pick it or did they pick it? Because if I mean, they picked it, that's a real message.
1: I, I, We don't have any evidence to suggest that she knows the name Rebecca. I mean, I guess she's well, learned yeah, the Bible some.
4: They they would have been probably teaching her English by reading her the Bible, I imagine. Yeah, and I mean, they wanted to convert her, so she that's didn't. The best she wasn't way, like scrolling
1: through Instagram like Rebecca, Jessica, no, <laughs> yeah. Mackenzie, maybe. Yeah,
4: she had that chalkboard. That was like Kaylin oh, yeah. McCarty, <laughs> Jashlyn. <laughs> they were all crossed out. She's like Rebecca.
1: <laughs> Rebecca married John Rolf with her uncle and two brothers in attendance. Her father couldn't come, obviously, because it was Powhatan. He I mean. would have been killed or captured, likely. But he did send a necklace of huge pearls as a gift. And he also gifted them hundreds of acres of land. Mm-hmm. So he's very supportive of this union. Yeah. And this was the beginning of what became known as the Peace of Pocahontas. Ralph Hamer wrote, quote, ever since... We have had friendly commerce and trade, not only with Powhatan himself, but also with his subjects round about us, so as now I see no reason why the colony should not thrive apace. And it did! Partly because of Ralph's Orinoco flow. Hmm? <laughs> Tony Horwitz writes, quote, within a few years, settlers were growing tobacco to the exclusion of other crops and exporting it by the ton at tremendous profit. Tobacco was the gold that Europeans had so long sought in North America and never found. Well, that sounds once again like everything's going great for everyone. <laughs> and I feel like we should just stop the story right there and not hear anymore. Right. Yay. We got everybody's making, everybody's married and happy. It's like the end of a Shakespeare play. Mm -hmm. And now all these settlers, they're finally making all this cash, just profit, 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 right?
4: Yeah, yeah. They made a lot of profit, probably because they didn't have to pay the people who were uh, harvesting the tobacco. I think that really helps your profit margin. Uh, Just something I learned (laughs) for the history. But anyway, speaking of profit, let's go to a commercial break. Oh, (laughs)
1: All right, welcome back to part three of part two of the, <laughs> <laughs> the Pocahontas story.
4: Yeah, I like, kind of got lost in the yeah. middle
1: of that. I was like, wait, wait a minute. second. <laughs> Is part Does that make it part six? Oh. Divide it by two. Anyway, let's, welcome let's, back to the show. Let's not get into that.
4: So yeah, so things are going well in Henricus and Jamestown and other settlements. And it's generally agreed that in 1615, Pocahontas, now known as Rebecca Rolfe, gave birth to Thomas Rolf. Like we said, the oral history is pretty firm that she gave birth to Thomas before she married John. But I don't know, it it seems a little weird to hide a baby for a year and then jump out being like, here's my newborn. One-year-old, I mean, this isn't a sitcom. (laughs) (laughs) They do. They'll come out with like a toddler
1: and be like, oh, fresh out of the delivery room.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's still recovering and the kids are (laughs) walking. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I I don't like to cast doubt on the the oral history or anything like that. That that one just doesn't quite play for me. I'm not really seeing them being able to hide a baby for a year and then popping out like this is a new baby. Yeah. I was like, I guess it's possible that she maybe had another baby that they named Thomas and they put the first Thomas somewhere else. And then they were <laughs> like, here's this Thomas. But that seems weird, too. Like, I, I don't know. I, I That one just doesn't play out for me. Yeah, quite, I don't know. Quite right. I don't know. I, it feels discordant. Um, but again, we don't know. So we do not. Uh, but according to the English history, she had a newborn child <laughs> <laughs> in 1615. And then the Virginia Company decided they wanted John and Rebecca to come to England and show off how great the Virginia Company was doing at establishing settlements and converting natives to Christianity. So they kind of wanted like a walking billboard right, know, for right. their efforts in the mm-hmm. New World. So she and Rolf went to England in 1616.
1: And they weren't alone in this voyage. They were accompanied by their son Thomas and 11 Powhatans, including Pocahontas' older sister, Mattachana. And her husband came along as well, as well as a priest called Tomakomo. A Toma Como was going to be Powhatan's eyes and ears in England. It was finally his chance to get a look at this famed country that all the white people were showing up from. <laughs> talking such a big deal. Oh, we have all these, you know, uh, horrible smelling streets and, <laughs> and rickety carriages. And
4: At home I can draw a bath.
1: <laughs> yeah. And apparently you've got like a bunch of people starving all the time, too. Yeah. An earlier native visitor to England had only seen London and the Thames and reported that there were no trees in England, Mm -hmm. which explained what brought the colonists to Tsenakomoko. But Powhatan asked Tomokomo to go find out about the English god and the English king and also to find out what really happened to John Smith. That's right. Because remember, he hadn't believed the story they told him back in 1609 that Smith had died on his way back to England. Tomokomo was also supposed to count as many Englishmen as he could by cutting notches into a stick. But as Tony writes, he, quote, had to quickly abandon this census mm-hmm. and was likewise stunned by England's abundant crops and trees. So he must have seen more than just the city of London because he's like, yeah. there's actually a a ton of people here. Yeah. And there's a whole, there's so much land. Mm-hmm. What are they doing over here? What
4: do they need us for? They've got
1: all the kinds of trees and rivers and shit.
4: Yeah. No, they went, they went about like they went to Norfolk and they yeah. went to like a couple different, so he got to see the countryside. Right. right. And yeah, I was stunned because he was yeah. just like, well, we thought that's what you were over at our spot for and right. you got plenty of it. You got
1: plenty. And Helen Roundtree, writing for Encyclopedia Virginia, says, quote, his encounters with evangelistic clergymen would turn his sympathies forever against the English. I mean.
4: That wouldn't be hard, honestly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Imagine the first guy to come up to me like, "Uh, please come give confession for your sins, my son. He's like, (laughs) what? Excuse me?
4: I bet they were like, because he's also a priest, Mm -hmm. right? So they were like, let's have a little priestly meeting and and talk about priestly Uh things. And the... You know, Tomokomo was like, Well, we you know, we smoke this pipe and we have these visions and we talk and we you know, we're part of the council with whatever. And the clergymen were like, Yes, well, we tell women they're going to hell. (laughs) (laughs) If they don't have sons, (laughs) that's what we do.
1: So when Tomokomo got back to Virginia, he started advising Opachankina, Powhatan's brother, who would eventually plan the attack that started the second Anglo-Powhatan War.
4: So interesting that Tomokomo got back and he's like, listen, Opachinko and I, like, you don't know about these guys over here. And Opachinko and I was like, you know what? I never liked these fuckers. Uh-huh. When it's my turn, uh-huh. <laughs> let's get some action going. For real. And Pocahontas was presented as a princess while she was in England. So this mm. is sort of like one of the, you know, the first time we're starting to hear this royalty kind of right. moniker, I guess, being bestowed on her but she actually was not one according to Powhatan tradition their lineage is matrilineal so powhatan's brothers or his sisters' eldest sons were the ones in line oh. it's all about who the mom was mm. but it was just kind of a way to like let everyone know what kind of treatment pocahontas should get right. while she's in town you know they were like she's not just a brown woman whom you treat badly she is a royal brown woman so treat her nice right <laughs> cuz
1: again i think they were they were really trying to show a good time in England to Mm -hmm. all of the native tribes that they would then say, oh, well then yes, we'll take your way of life. That's what we would prefer.
4: That's true.
5: They
1: were really trying to sell Mm -hmm. the the tribes on England via Pocahontas.
4: Yeah. John Smith even wrote in a letter to Queen Anne that they should treat her like a royal guest because it would help maintain their goodwill with the Powhatans. Mm -hmm. And it seems like she was Pretty well received. Um, she and John Rolfe went to plays and parties. They were seated with lords and ladies, and once Pocahontas and Tomacomo were seated with King James, and apparently he was just so unprepossessing that they didn't know it was him until someone told him later, which oh, I wow. think must have been an interesting cultural, just weird moment for them because, right. like we said, when in part one when. John Smith met Powhatan they had really rolled it out like he was like seated on this day as he was dressed up for it like they wanted to show off right and then she's meeting their king and he's like I guess wearing a like a beige suit or something I don't know (laughs) (laughs) he's just chilling in the corner yeah and they were just like that doesn't look like a king to me you know
1: I'm picturing also like how I imagine they probably dressed her
5: Mm. over there in English clothes, right? So I'm
1: just juxtaposing in my mind this 12-year-old girl back in tribal America doing cartwheels Mm -hmm. in the village, uh, you know, now, like, getting her corset tied up, you know, being put into this British bondage. Right. And told, like, see, isn't this life better?
4: Right, with, like, a ruff and, like, her hair all piled up and all this weird stuff. Uh, Yeah, I feel like if it were me, I'd be like, "Mm, not really. (laughs) Can
1: I go back to, like having a good time.
4: (laughs) I know, right? And we were doing fine. It does seem that they were pretty interested in some of it. Like, there was at one point, John Smith, like, sent some builders to Powhatan to build Uh him an English-style house. So there was, like... You know, there were some things that they were like, I'm interested in that. I'd like to know. Look, but I, it's almost more of an indictment to me of the of the English because the natives were like, there's things about your culture that I like yeah. and I, I'd be interested in. Whereas the English were like, and your culture is nonsense and savage. Right. And you're all going to hell and I have to save you.
1: Right. Right. Such exactly. It's a totally
4: weird, completely different way of looking at the world around you. Yeah.
1: Because, of course, like, you know, we don't want to say that the tribes weren't happy to receive... Guns for hunting, sure. or comforts—you know that the that the English were so obsessed with. Mm-hmm. You know that I'm sure you show up and you're like, "Hey, try this, try this comforter I made." You're like, right. "Whoa, damn, this is a lot better mm-hmm. than what I've been making here." But then you get into like, "Well, how'd you make it?" Well,
5: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it <laughs> takes a lot of you know. Right. Have you ever heard of capitalism? Because <laughs> um, it's kind of no, like that. Actually, no. <laughs> it's great. You're gonna love it.
4: But yeah, their homes were also really um, mobile. Because they were tents, you know, with mats on the floor that they wove. So they could pick up and go wherever they needed to go. I remember Powhatan moved
1: the whole capital city away from Jamestown. Yeah, no
4: big deal. And so maybe the English-style house, I mean, that could have been even him trying to be like, I'm also permanent, you know. it, It might have been just like, if I build a house like you build a house, maybe you'll see this as my property. Yeah,
1: sure, sure. I mean, who
4: knows? But yeah, Pocahontas. While she was in England, also spent some time with Rolf's family. So she got to meet her in-laws. That's nice, I right. guess, depending on how they were.
5: Uh, <laughs> she was
4: introduced to society under their sponsorship. So she probably went to lots of parties and events. And she also sat for an English portrait, as oh, you sure. say, fully dressed in very, very English garb. Uh-huh. It's, she's looks like Queen Elizabeth in this wow. photo, except that she's not, obviously. <laughs>
1: Now, it wasn't long after they arrived that Pocahontas learned that John Smith was still alive. She's like, that old that old man when mm-hmm. I was a kid. That old so-and-so. Used to teach me English. <laughs> yeah. But it would be months before he called to see her. In his account, he said he was just busy. But it seems like everyone thinks that this was... Hella rude of him Mm -hmm. not to come see her, right? Historians and contemporaries alike believe that like this was a dick move.
4: Right. I mean, they're like, if you have a friend in town, you go call on him. like, what? You wait too long, and it's incredibly impolite. Right. It's like you don't want to talk to him for some reason.
1: I mean, according to- What could that be? uh, (laughs) According to you, this girl saved your life, Mm -hmm. you know? A couple times. A couple times. Wouldn't
4: you want to go say hi to her? I think
1: so. Or, yeah, is he like, oh, shit, she's going to call me out. Say that shit never happened. And eventually they did meet and it it was an awkward meeting. Mm -hmm. John Smith wrote that when she saw him, Pocahontas, quote, without any word turned about, obscured her face as not seeming well contented. Then she reminded him of all the promises he had made to Powhatan. What was yours should be his, she said. You called him father, being in his land a stranger. But instead, Smith had dipped out and his English friends told Powhatan that he was dead. And none of them ever believed that. And in fact, Pocahontas told John Smith that the Powhatans that came to England with her had made sure to ask about him when they got to England. Quote, because your countrymen will lie much. So she's like, we're used to you guys lying. You know, the idea that John Smith was dead. Of course, we didn't believe that. So go check in on that guy.
4: Yeah. She's like, not only that, but we were like, it's the first thing we're going to do. Yeah. And we're going to find out, oh, you lied. Surprise. First thing we do is going to find out that you lied.
1: Right. Because again, Powhatan like, would rather have been dealing with John Smith this whole time. Yeah. And guys. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't so much, I think, that they were mad that John Smith was there. They were mad that the English had told him that John Smith was dead. When, in fact, I, 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 Speculation Station, wonder if Powhatan Houghton might not have told the English if he knew John Smith was alive. Well, then you get him back here. I want to talk to John Smith. Maybe. If we're going to we're gonna go through this. That, I like talking to him, and I don't like you.
4: That might have been why they told him. Like, yeah, they oh, were, I would like, think like, so. He might have been like, I'm sorry, but I made a deal with your where wants John Smith. And they were like, well, John Smith ain't our chief, first of all. And secondly, he's dead. Yep. So now you're dealing with me, George Percy, who sucks. Yep. And like... And then Lord Delaware, who sucks even more, apparently. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, that's probably true. And I think they were still pretty pissed at John Smith, though, because, you know, I guess he, he hadn't really made it very clear how it worked or had promised them shit that he never could deliver. Oh, yeah, it sure. very possible, too, because sure. he was, you know, kind of a brag, got yeah. a braggart. So he might have been like, oh, yeah, no problem. Like, this is going to be great forever now and whatever. And then didn't even try to keep the peace after he left.
1: Right. Maybe or something. Right.
4: So anyway, I don't think she was happy with him, is
1: sure. long and short of that. Yeah, absolutely.
4: In March sixteen seventeen, they all boarded a ship to go back to Virginia. They had done their propaganda tour for the Virginia Company, <laughs> and it was time to go home. But suddenly Pocahontas got really sick, and after only a few miles down river, they stopped to take her ashore. That's where she passed away, telling her husband, all must die. She was interred on March 21st, 1617. John Rolfe wrote that she was, quote, much lamented, and she was only 21 years old. Much like a lot of this story, there are several theories about how Pocahontas died. Mm. Um, In the other side of history, they say that Powhatan was told Pocahontas was poisoned. They say that she was in perfect health before they got on the boat back to Virginia um, and then she suddenly got sick after a meal, and that's when she died. So the Damn. timing's real awkward, and they she probably got poisoned. Huh. In voyage long and strange, uh, Tony Horwitz says some of her contemporaries wrote that she was bothered by the smoky environments of the you know area of London that they were living in. Oh, okay. So maybe she had like tuberculosis or some kind of respiratory complaint. Mm -hmm. But Helen Roundtree in the Encyclopedia of Virginia says that's not very likely because Pocahontas would be very used to smoky native homes. They had like Ah, a fire in the middle of their tent. So it would have been very common to have a smoky house and that wouldn't have bothered her at all. Um, She also said that John Rolfe had been given a huge grant to start a mission church in Virginia. And... She writes that, quote, Pocahontas would have been expected to serve the dual roles of interpreter and housemother, which would have been a strenuous assignment for someone who is ill or dying. So she doesn't see the tuberculosis argument because that, you know, you kind of have that for a minute before you get killed by it. Right. Um, however, she says that the ships that brought John Rolfe, Tomocomo and the other colonists back to Virginia after Pocahontas died also brought an epidemic of hemorrhagic dysentery that they called bloody flux with them. So maybe Pocahontas just got the bloody flux while she was on board, and that's what killed her.
1: That sounds like a bloody fluxing bad time.
4: Ooh, for real. (sighs) (laughs) Horrible. And honestly, that explanation makes the most sense to me personally, um, simply because her son, Thomas, who is, you know, a toddler at this point, was also very sick at the same time that Uh Pocahontas was, and when she was dying, she, like, told John Rolfe that she was happy to die if it meant that her son could could live. And he oh. was, like, telling her that it looks like Thomas is going to recover. And so she was able to die at peace Wow, with that. So that lends a lot to me to say there's something going on in this shit. Why would they poison a toddler?
1: Well, and it's unlikely he would have survived and she wouldn't, wouldn't. you know.
4: And why poison her at all? What, what, what uh,
1: yeah, I don't mean? really understand. Why? I mean, you know. There's assholes everywhere. It's true. but and it, it could have just been some rando. It's like, just
4: odd to be like, okay, we got everything we wanted out of this native woman. She's converted. She's out here making us look good. Now she's going to go back to Virginia and make us look good even more with her her people. Right. Let's kill her on the way? But,
1: well, no, but I mean, in terms of a government conspiracy, I don't believe it. But some mm-hmm. random blood asshole, you know, I who's I just like, I don't so. like that John Rolfe married mm-hmm. one of these tribal women. Like, you know, you're you're posing as an English person, but you're not like I could see some racist dick bag. You know, the poison story doesn't necessarily flesh out. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not to say that someone wouldn't do it just out of malice. I mean, it's always out of malice when you poison someone. But (laughs) but you know what I mean? You know what I mean? That's true. Less structure, It's a good point.
4: I do have a tendency to be like, there's no logic in that. Forgetting that humans don't always act from logic. Well, that's true, too. Anyway, because Thomas, the toddler, was really sick and John Rolfe had to get back to the New World and open his church and everything, he ended up reluctantly having to leave Thomas in England to be cared for by his brother, Mm. Um, expecting, I think, to see him, you know, have him be sent to Virginia at some point, but he actually would never see him again. Thomas would not sail to Virginia until 1635, which is 13 years after John Rolfe died. Oh, wow. So he kind of lost both his parents that day.
1: Yeah, I guess so, I yeah. Say. And Powhatan fell into a deep depression when he found out about Pocahontas' death. I mean, this had been his favorite daughter, mm-hmm. you know, for her whole life. She'd been such a, a an important part right. of this story.
4: And Powhatan's, like, what, in his 70s yeah. at this point? She's only 21. Yeah. I mean, he probably That's definitely expected her to live a lot longer.
1: Absolutely. The English got word of his death in April of 1618, and he was succeeded first by a brother who proved ineffectual and then by his brother, Opechanchanow, the last great Powhatan leader. And remember, Opechanchanow had gotten all that shitty feedback about England <laughs> all right. from Como, uh being like, these guys aren't cool. And Helen Roundtree writes in a stunning throwback to our Carl Tanzler episode, again, hey, again, second reference to that, that, quote, if his funeral followed custom, then Powhatan's body was flayed, his flesh removed from the bones and dried, his skeleton rearticulated, and his abdomen filled with valuables, and the whole covered with the preserved skin to achieve a semblance of the living form. I, you know, hey, that's a cultural tradition, <laughs> and in its own way, it's beautiful. Right. In my way, it's not, because not- I'm... A little terrified of skin being taken off and then put back on again. Ooh. But you know that was, that was their thing. But this was this was not strange. This was no, uh, a very normal tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and to them, it wasn't uh, one of the most horrifying things they've ever heard. <laughs> and that's okay. We've ever, <laughs> we grow up with different ideas. And of...
4: That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> John Rolfe ended up back in Virginia, as we know, with his Orinoco flow. <laughs> Uh, He married a third time and he died in 1622. But though his marriage and his tobacco enterprise was critical to the success of the colony, he was, as Tony writes, quote, gradually airbrushed from American memory. Hmm. But why? Right. You know, I'm like, John Rolfe seems like a cool American hero. He like... Smuggled these seeds over and right. he had a whole business concern he was trying to start. And he's the reason this whole colony started turning a profit. We love turning a profit. That's
1: true. You'd think we'd learn more about him.
4: Well, part of the reason is because by the time we started to celebrate Jamestown as a country, most states had banned marriage between Native Americans and white people.
1: Oh, of course.
4: And that, of course, made John Rolfe and Pocahontas's story a little awkward. Mm. But also people in Virginia became super obsessed with being able to tie their lineage to Pocahontas and John Rolfe. I oh, guess wow. it's like old money New York being like, my ancestors came over to the Mayflower or whatever, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. It's like that in Virginia to be like that
1: oh, ancient Oh, my great 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 grandmother was Pocahontas. Right. Yeah, okay. So in
4: 1924, when Virginia passed its Act to Preserve Racial Integrity. What? That segregated anyone with any trace of non-Caucasian heritage. They made sure to include a clause exempting white Virginians with, quote, one-sixteenth or less of Indian heritage and, quote, no other non-Caucasic blood. And this became known as the Pocahontas Clause.
1: I'm sorry. Virginia did what? <laughs> I, I mean in nineteen twenty four. In nineteen twenty four. Nineteen just a decade before we were causing a real fuss about a whole other group of people being stodgy about racial purity. Yeah. We we had just come off of it. We have we were dealing with it ourselves. Right over here. Yeah. Act to preserve racial integrity. Gross.
4: Incredibly gross. And then that that they were also like, but let's count how many generations from Pocahontas. And that's as, as much as you can have.
1: That's the line. Of
4: her blood specifically. Wow. And it's okay because it makes us look good to have people here from the colonist state. I don't know. It's very I would, weird.
1: I don't know anyone who cares about anything as much as racists care about race. You oh, know, right? like the, 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 the bonkers mm. lengths they go to uh, it, it's blowing my mind yeah, and, it, really. it, and every day you learn more about it and it's like what <laughs> holy shit what is wrong in your brain a lot a lot
4: well at least one big thing <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then john smith was the perfect american hero mm-hmm. tony writes quote a man of action and dash self-made individualistic Iconoclastic, a braggart, a con man, an escape artist, an accomplished killer, scornful of rank and ceaseless in his salesmanship. Like that's that's who we want to tell stories about.
4: We love that guy. So, of course,
1: John Smith became the Mm -hmm. favored figure in this in this tall tale. Mm hmm. And of course, creating this story of the, quote, good Indian, Mm -hmm. who was attracted to Christianity and English customs and society, who fell in love with a white man and preferred his way of life to her own, who foiled her own people's plans and preference for white people. That softened the story of the brutal English subjugation of the natives. So that's so basically all in all, we can see why the story of Pocahontas and John Smith is the one we've been hearing all these years Mm -hmm. and not...
4: Not John Rolfe.
1: Not John Rolfe or not the whole real story of of all three of them and everyone else involved.
4: Yeah, seriously. And it's... You know, and just... You can see why it kind of feels like Pocahontas is barely a person anymore because she's been so propagandized by each and every side of the story where whatever they were trying to do with... Whatever they were trying to do, they made her story work for it. Yeah. And so it's it's just incredibly difficult to parse out who this woman was. I, yeah. I wish I had a little more information about her likes and dislikes or yeah, right. what her personality was beyond she was a playful woman, you know, a playful one as a kid. Right. And liked to turn cartwheels and yeah. I guess had, you know, sort of an optimistic, cheerful loving outlook about things. We hope. We extrapolate, you know. At least, yeah, when she was nine or at least when she's 10 or 11 or whatever, when they were actually writing about her as a person. And when they stopped doing that, it's no one knows. I I, I mean, there's just, it's, and it's really sad because again, this is a real person who who really lived and breathed and she had her own desires and her own goals for her life and for her family and had two to three children and and didn't get to raise any of them. And it's just... Frustrating. It's yeah, just it frustrating. It makes it me is. want to keep a diary. You know what I mean? Well. i like, I don't want nobody to tell somebody what I was thinking. <laughs> I'll tell you what I was thinking. <laughs> don't worry.
1: I'll tell them all what you were thinking in oh, great man. detail. <laughs> she thought I was great.
4: Well, that's true.
1: Oh, see? I got it right. <laughs> that's all I know about her. She thought I was great. The that's end. all
4: I need to know. The end.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it is really fascinating to break this down mm-hmm. to see all these different sides of it. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think you can you go into these like real stories and you're like, "Oh, well, you know, there there's some balance here between uh, these these two factions that were fighting over this land and uh, and some, they were always trying to see common ground and it wasn't all Percys. Mm-hmm. There were some John Smiths who were like trying to negotiate and make things work out for everyone's in everyone's favor. Mm-hmm. Um but Underneath all that, you kind of can't forget that they never should have been here in the first place, place claiming it as their own. Yeah. Because this was a place people already lived, you know. You want to show up in a new country and say like, hey, we've been over here. Do you guys want to talk? Do you want to open some lines of trade? Do you want to, you want to, yeah, you know, maybe you guys, some. if y'all want to come live over in our land, you mm-hmm. can. And maybe some of us can live over here.
4: Like, that's We'll build an embassy or normal, something. Normal,
1: intercontinental mm-hmm. trade and open communication awesome yeah love it yeah showing up and saying hey this is cool uh, it's mine now by the way right <laughs> and I know you're outrageous. a king but
4: actually you're a subject of my king right even though you never fucking heard of him yeah like what yeah very it's,
1: weird It's difficult so happy Thanksgiving everybody. anyway <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't really
4: understand that and then I will say like another reason I really like the book A Voyage Long and Strange which we used quite a lot for these episodes as well is because Tony Horwitz, he he follows the trail of the Vikings or the conquistadors or the colonists in history, and then he goes in person today to see and follows the trail today. Oh, yeah. And kind of tells you like, okay, I'm talking to natives now today, how they are feeling about this, or I'm talking to white people now today who trace their lineage to Pocahontas, or I'm talking to Swedes who live in Kansas City, and I don't know how they got there, but (laughs) they're going to tell me, you know? Right. And it's really very interesting, and a lot of... The natives that he spoke to, particularly about Pocahontas, were just kind of like, you know, another thing that really bothers me about the story of Pocahontas is that it takes away everything about our our people beyond. They were either stoic and kind and had their arms wide open and were mowed down quickly and gone forever, or they were these brutal, you know, warring nations and you know came at him with sticks and got mowed down and mm-hmm. that was it and they're like you kind of are taking away all of our pomp and our dumbness and all our stupid oh, right. shit. that we are we're also people you yeah. know natives are also people so they had plenty of of their own ideas about taking over property or sure, sure. or being in charge or falling in love or what yeah. you know all that and you it does kind of get obscured yeah. with like well anyway unfortunately those traditions are gone because we mowed over a bunch of those people, right? And um, so now it's just this very narrow view of this whole really rich culture. Yeah. Um, so anyway, just another plug for that book. You should read it. That's cool. It's very cool.
1: And I guess in the interest of Thanksgiving too, like I, I do think it's important. To, we, we've been critical in this episode of of American colonists and mm-hmm. and all our descendants and mm-hmm. you know America today. And England, Mm -hmm. and what they were doing here and across the world, Um, and that's important. And that doesn't mean, uh, you know, I I hate living here so much and everything about it's horrible. Like that, it's just important to recognize this. So that as you're moving forward, uh, to what degree you can make amends, you do, and um, to what degree you cannot let these things happen in the future, Mm -hmm. you do. It's, it just matters, and you can, and both of those. Viewpoints can exist at the same time. Mm -hmm. You can be like, you can look, you can look critically at the racial history (laughs) of this country in theory. (laughs) Um, And I think that's uh, that's really important for us to kind of just keep in our. Standardized and personal educations, right? You know, because we also had to keep teaching ourselves. Because as we have learned, I mean, history is only so much, and you know, to to public schools credit, mm-hmm. there's only so much time in a school year, mm-hmm. and history keeps getting longer, right? So you you can't you don't. There's literally not time in twelve years of school to look at every angle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I think it's important to. I mean, geez, we're just doing it out of necessity for for this job. But it's so cool that we get to go dig up all these other sources and uh, really makes me want to spend my free time doing that more. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you you know, your personal education and analysis is just as important.
4: Yeah. And hopefully some of y'all are listening to this show as your education. Actually, that kind of scares me, but I kind of (laughs) it would also be awesome. So we're doing our best. (laughs) We are. Um, We are. Yeah. But yeah, we would love to hear your thoughts on both parts of this story. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, I'd love to hear what you thought was true before you listened. Because right. I know some people have really educated themselves about the real truth of John Smith. Mm-hmm. And many people maybe, and I, I think schools have even changed how they're teaching that story somewhat. Mm. I don't, I'm putting a question mark there because I don't know for sure. It probably depends on the school. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I'm very curious to see like what people thought the story was and what they thought was untrue and true about it or whatever, you know, just any of your
1: I, musings. I mean, I'll go ahead and set the bar low. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing. Yeah. I mean, I literally like I knew that the Disney movie was wrong mm-hmm. and that's all I knew. Yeah. Um I knew that she was a lot younger. Right. That's that's pretty much where I came into this from. I was like Pocahontas. Yeah. She married a different guy and I think she was like 12 at first. <laughs> um, And that's that's it. That's, that's pretty that's good. That's pretty much all I knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. um. We didn't talk about it in school. I don't think this one came up in our American history class. No. I
4: only remember that, like, the one time I didn't do my homework... I always did my homework. Of course I was did. a very...
5: Nerd. Yeah. Nerd alert. Nerd and
4: I liked my homework, so I did my homework. <laughs> but mostly, this one time, I did not do it, and the next day we had like a pop quiz, Oops. and one of the questions was about the story of Pocahontas, and I was straight up like, I guess I'll take the Disney movie out of my brain and put it <laughs> on here, and said, oh, no. oh, she loved John Smith or whatever, and of course, did not get that question There was a right.
1: raccoon and a hummingbird.
4: Yep. They uh, were talking... <laughs>
1: They didn't Mel talk. Gibson was in it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Christian Bale. Yep. Um,
4: but yeah. So I like that. That red X lives forever in my memory. <laughs> I love. <laughs> so I knew it wasn't true as a kid, but I'm not sure I ever looked into it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I love that the one time you didn't do your homework, Mm -hmm. there was a pop quiz the next day. And to this day, you get anxiety if your work's not done by the end of the day. Probably just because of that.
4: I'm like, that's going to be the one time I didn't prepare that it matters. It's always the one time you didn't prepare that it matters, (laughs) by the way.
1: Not in my experience. Oh, jeez. I was never prepared. Well, for some of us, great.
4: that's what it feels
5: like. I was like. one of
1: those uh, B-minus students because I never, my homework average was zero, but I came in and I rocked those quizzes and tests.
4: No, I was an a-, a student, but not a teacher's pet. I'll say that. My, my I didn't know how to be a teacher's pet.
1: English teacher, Mrs. Waters, and I love her and I'll never forget her, pulled me aside one day at the end of the semester and she said, Eli, you are a square peg in the round hole of the public education system. <laughs> But you have to do it. You're, yeah. you're smarter than this. <laughs> and yeah, I did tried. a little bit more for a while. <laughs> and then that fizzled away.
4: She she tried. She to tried. save your academic career. I did all right. Now look at you. You're yeah. you're giving history I was like, lessons.
1: What? Well, well, I'll just marry a smart girl.
4: <laughs> I'll marry an A student, and yeah, we'll both find out that it doesn't actually fucking matter
1: later yeah, on in life. We're both in the same man? position. <laughs> Well, yes. Please, Okay. Please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. Especially, I mean, do you have a connection to this story? Or are you one-sixteenth related to Pocahontas?
4: Okay. Or if you're uh, from any of these tribes. Yeah. Especially if you have any opinion on the Mataponi oral history or right. any of that. Definitely would love to hear.
1: Would love to hear. Please get back to us. You can reach us. Uh, through email at romance at iheartmedia.com.
4: Mm-hmm. Or on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Diana Boom.
1: And I'm at Oh Great, it's Eli.
4: And the show is at Ridic Romance.
1: We are so happy to hear from you all the time. Uh, yeah. We hope you had a lovely Thanksgiving week. Mm-hmm. And then we're moving into this holiday season. Everybody's having, you know, joy and cheer and all that good stuff.
4: Yes, and we are so just... Very thankful for you spending your wonderful free time with us. We are. Or your multitasking time. Right. <laughs> or or whatever it is you do while you listen to us chat. We just really appreciate you choosing us
1: we are and we're thankful for your neighbors your uncles your aunts who listen as well yeah and please share uh this episode and, and any others around in whatever way you can well thanks everyone we'll catch you on the next one
4: can't wait so long friends it's time to go thanks for listening to our show tell your friends neighbors uncles and dance to listen
3: to our show ridiculous romance